politics and above religion, a moral authority exists known globally as the ageless wisdom. It is the study of consciousness, the mystery of awareness, which cannot be measured, yet will not be denied. Stay tuned as we explore consciousness, the fundamental nature of reality. Welcome to the Ageless Wisdom Mystery School with Michael Benner. Hello, friends. Thanks for joining us for the Ageless Wisdom Mystery School on 90.7 KPFK in Los Angeles, streaming for the world at kpfk.org. Glad you're making the point to join us whenever you can, Tuesday afternoons at 1 o'clock. This is a program about consciousness. It's about self-awareness. It's about mindfulness. It's about personal and transpersonal development. And today we're going to talk about a technology for personal development that, gosh, I haven't done a program on this in years and years and years. And so not only am I a little overdue, but I have managed to find someone who's doing an extraordinary job in this field. I think this product or service that I'm going to expose you to today is really remarkable. I don't normally endorse this above that, but I really think that this is something that deserves your attention. Then you can decide for yourself how effective of a technology this is. And I'm talking about binaural beats, and in particular, a set of programs developed by a group called Sacred Acoustics. And I have one of their founders, the, perhaps the founder, I'll find out if this is a conspiracy or not, Karen Newell, who's with us from Virginia today. Karen, welcome to KPFK and the Ageless Wisdom Mystery School. Well, thank you, Michael. It's a pleasure to be here with you and your listeners. So is this you, Sacred Acoustics, or I have a sense there's a couple of you involved in this? I do have a co-founder, Kevin Cossie, and he's really the audio engineer. So he's the mastermind behind the actual creation of the recordings. But we really did develop them all together just through our uh, our personal interest at first. We just started taking apart other people's binaural beats, putting them back together, and really just wanted to push the envelope on where we could go within our consciousness. And uh, so he and I created Sacred Acoustics together. Well, let's begin with uh, kind of a definition, because while many people are familiar with the technology of brain entrainment, I think there must be a significant number who are not. So fill us in. What's a basic definition of binaural beats and this idea of brain entrainment? What's that about? Well, binaural beats are when you hear one frequency or tone in one ear and a slightly different frequency in the other ear. So that's the binaural. You're hearing two different frequencies in each ear. But together, they create this wavering sound that sounds something like wah, 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 just this regular repeating sound. And it's the difference between those two tones where brainwave entrainment comes in. And so we match up the frequencies that go with the different brainwave states. So for example, delta, which is zero to four hertz, if we wanted to feed you a delta signal, we would pick somewhere between zero and four hertz. We'll just pick four hertz and we'll play, say, 100 hertz in one ear, 104 hertz in the other ear, and that's what creates that brainwave entrainment. And we think that it's affecting the lower brainstem and sort of getting the thinking mind 
out of the way so that racing mind that so many of us have when we sit down to just be quiet with ourselves or maybe if we want to try to meditate that little voice that's constantly going these tones help to sort of quiet that part of the brain and depending on what level it could be six hertz or nine hertz so four to seven hertz is the theta range associated with meditation delta that lower range zero to four is associated with sleep and then seven to 12 hertz, that's the alpha range that's associated with concentration or focus. And anything above 12 hertz or 12 to roughly 30 hertz is beta. That's the state when we're in right now, when we're walking, we're talking, that's the state that we wanna lower the brain waves to those lower levels in order to really quiet the mind. So that's the purpose of binaural beats to bring us out of that thinking state into a quieter state of being. I think musicians who tune their instruments, a guitar player, for example, who is using a reference tone to bring his or her instrument into tune, probably has learned to listen for that wah, 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 as they get closer and closer to perfectly synchronized tone. But I guess the point of binaural beats and brain entrainment is you don't need to consciously be aware of that. Am I right about that? That it has its effect without you needing to hear anything other than just the obviously audible tones. No, in fact, it's better to really not have your thinking mind wondering, what is going on here? Which brainwave entrainment is this? It's sort of just meant to be in the background and just sort of allow yourself to relax into it. But Instruments like crystal bowls, brass bowls, gongs, tuning forks, they all emit that natural binaural beat, that wah, wah sound. So people who enjoy crystal bowls, for example, I know I do, that's just a natural form of binaural beats. But ours are unique in that we are very precise in what exactly we're combining to create a certain frequency set. And the you know, you brought up musicians and that brings to mind harmonics and in the earlier days of binaural beats, harmonics were not part of the equation necessarily. But what we learned is that if every single frequency is harmonic to every other frequency, then it creates more like music instead of just these harsh digital tones that so often need to be masked with rain sounds or ocean or white noise. That's what a lot of the earlier binaural beats producers did. But when we create them harmonically, and when I say harmonic, that means that every frequency, for example, our free download that's available for anyone to try this out, and I do recommend you trying it before making a, a decision on how it might work for you, those frequencies are made up of carrier tones of 108, 216, and 432. So when you add them together, they you know match up 108 plus 108 is 216 and so on so that's what we mean by harmonic and they're even harmonic to the actual brainwave frequency that we're feeding you and our audio engineer gets very precise with this all the way out to four decimal points if he needs to so they're very sophisticated in the way that they're put together but again that you make up a good point that's not the important part of this the important part is to put the headphones on we do recommend always listening with headphones that's way you'll be sure to get that true left-right stereo intention that we uh, have built into these. And once you put those headphones on, you just relax and allow the tones to carry your consciousness into some state. And that's the passive way of trying this out. Just put on the headphones and see what effects might happen. 
But in other ways, you can also use your, your mental or, and or emotional intention to really create within that uh, sound journey, as we say, an experience that you might wish to uh, create. I love the word intention. I don't think it's used often enough in whatever field you're talking about. It could be engineering, could be esoteric philosophy or spirituality, psychology, math, uh, the, just the whole idea of forming an intention before you think or before you focus on the meaning of your feelings or before you take an action or perceive the world or whatever. I think it's a intention is a level of awareness that many people don't even consider. How do you look at intention? You use the word. The thing is, is there is an underlying intention to really everything we do. But as you say, we're not always aware of that intention. And so becoming aware of it is really critical. What is it that I want to create? And so many people who you know, wish to have certain things in their lives, they, they often think of things that they don't want. And I had a spiritual teacher once tell me that the universe doesn't understand the word no. So whatever you're thinking of, whether it's I don't want it or I do want it, that's what's going to be created in your experience. And this idea that our consciousness really has the ability to influence unfolding reality is very key to this. And so it's how we hold our own consciousness that can really help us to move forward. So I'll give you a little example. When I first tried to meditate, this was maybe 15, 20 years ago, it was impossible. I couldn't do it. And I thought I was one of those people who couldn't meditate. So I would sit, I would try to focus on my breath. And all that would happen is all of these racing thoughts would go through my mind about what I was going to make for dinner, an argument I had with my boss, an argument I wanted to have with my daughter, something like that. And my mind did not go quiet. So what I did was I told myself, well, I can't meditate. I'm one of those people who can't meditate. But when I learned that that was creating my experience of not being able to meditate, I started to switch that in my mind. And so anytime I thought, oh, I can't meditate, I'm one of those people, I said, no, I can meditate. I switched it. And I started to, even though I didn't think I could, I started to just feel as if I could meditate. So it was more than just saying the thought in my mind. It was actually generated a feeling of what would it feel like if I could meditate and just feeling that way, generating that feeling. And so binaural beats, of course, is one of the tools that really helped me to realize, yes, I can meditate. I believe we all can with enough practice. Uh, the Western mind wants things to happen very quickly. And I was one of those people. And it's just like learning to play the piano or becoming an athlete, it takes a lot of practice. And so binaural beats were a huge sort of uh, training wheels for me. And they helped me to get into that mindset. The universe has a way of just bringing back to you what you put out there. And it sounds all, well, your audience may be fine with this sort of thing. It sounds all new agey, but it's actually the truth. When I wanted to make big changes in my life, I really just acted as if those changes had already taken place with my internal system. And lo and behold, the external world just seemed to take care of itself. It wasn't always pretty. It wasn't always expected. But I found that when I created this feeling inside of satisfaction, that eventually the outer world began to give me things that were in fact satisfying. And so this is how I think of intention, combining 
a thought and a feeling and generating that feeling as if you've already attained that uh, intention. And doing it while listening to binaural beats, I found to be incredibly useful because it did have this way of putting aside all of that negative self-talk, you know, the doubts and the, oh, you can't do this and can't do that. That sort of settled down and that's where it really came into play. And that's how I really uh, recommend people using intention. The unconscious is so literal, and I don't think this is commonly appreciated either, that we really benefit from framing things in a positive way. If uh, on the way to the car, you remember that uh, there was something you wanted to bring along with you that you didn't bring, you would say, oh, I forgot, and maybe admonish yourself as you went back into the house. But the truth is, you just remembered. Very good. <laughs> and, and you can say to yourself, oh, boy, what a great memory. I, I only got halfway to the car. I mean, it wasn't like I drove 20 miles. and Then I remembered I've got a really good memory. Or I think of the sign at the grocery store that says, don't forget your bags. Uh, what a horrible suggestion. Why not? It'll be easy to remember. That's just memory. We could do that for so many things. If we would just recognize the suggestible nature of the unconscious. You said the universe never says no. That's why I love the allegory of reaping what you sow, because the earth will grow briars, brambles, weeds, or melons and apples and beautiful flowers. Whatever you plant, it'll go, okay, I'll, exactly. <laughs> I'll grow that. I'm okay with that. Yeah, so be careful what you ask for, right? Yeah. I'm curious, the whole idea of using altered states whether as a form of meditation, contemplation, prayer, or through these technologies like binaural beats, is to open ourselves to that suggestibility, I think, both in a receptive way, but also manifesting and projecting. It's sort of a, a two-way street. Um, how would you explain the benefits if someone just said, why would I want to meditate? Why would I want to listen to these tones and earphones and space out? What, what value am I going to get out of that? Well, there's lots of research out there, I'll just state first, that shows, you know, it, it helps lower anxiety, create better immune system, lowers stress and all kinds of wonderful things. And of course, that's what I wanted when I wanted to learn, first tried to learn how to meditate. I wanted all of those things. And what I learned is it does much, much, much more than just reduce anxiety and lower stress. That's just the beginning. What I found is that it put me in touch with a part of myself that we aren't normally aware of in our day-to-day -day lives. And so usually, of course, COVID changed all of this. Usually, uh, you know, we all kind of took a step back from our lives, many of us, but usually we're in this sort of rat race, you know, going to work, coming home, making dinner, taking care of our kids, going to bed, and then waking up the next day and doing it all over again, spending our weekends doing certain hobbies, going to events, being with friends. But that's not who we truly are. That is who we behave as and how we interact in the world. But there's another part of us, and that is the part of us that contains our hopes, our dreams, our, our purpose for being, our sense of connection to something greater. And uh, when you take the time to quiet the mind, you're able to get more in touch with that. So it's really sort of an adage to know thyself, to know 
that more expanded part of ourselves. Some people call it your higher self. I like to call it your expanded self because it, it really goes out in all directions. And uh, one, one thing that I really wasn't aware of inside of my own self is that I did have fears and anxieties that I had no idea that I had. I thought I was just going through life, had left all of any em emotional angst behind. And when I first started to get quiet inside, I started to cry and I didn't know why. I started to feel uncomfortable. I started to really reach deeper truths that I hadn't really reckoned with. And uh, so once you're able to kind of get in touch with that, you're able to resolve a lot of those emotional angst that you maybe don't realize are affecting patterns in relationships. I know I was having patterns in relationships that were not very healthy. And it wasn't until after I was able to tap into some of that and realize, nope, there's this other part of me, clear through any of the emotional angst that I had, that I was able to bring that really more fully into my life. And once I was able to do that, my life became much richer. It became more meaningful. And uh, this is something I think our modern day world is really missing out on is that true deep meaning and purpose in our lives. You know, why are we here? What is our purpose? This question many people ask, but it was a burning question for me from since I was a young child and none of the kind of standard answers in religion or, you know, secular school were really satisfying. And the answers really didn't become satisfying until I went within and found out for myself ask those questions from within. One other way to use an altered state of awareness is to ask those questions when you're in that altered state. I know you have done hypnosis. That's one way to do it is hypnotherapy will gain, give you access to some of these kind of states that you're not necessarily aware of in your daily life, but so will listening to binaural beats and certain forms of meditation. They allow you to go within to ask a question of yourself and hopefully get back an answer. And so this is what I found so valuable with binaural beats and this meditative practice is to really trigger and release emotional angst, clear all of that out so that I could really become more of who I truly am, of who we all truly are, which is that we're much, much more than just our physical bodies, the roles we play. There's a part of us that is really more of a spiritual essence. And when we can get in touch with that and really start to align with that and bring that more into our daily lives, that's when life becomes much richer and more meaningful. Meaning and purpose is so easy to find and you have a much greater ability to tap into love that's already within, to uh, feelings of compassion for others, and really just understanding why we're here and what is our purpose. I think you make a very good point. This idea of expanded awareness or higher consciousness, pretty much synonyms for each other. But to me, what all of that means in practice is sort of getting outside of yourself, whether it's an elevated perspective, looking down on yourself from a more objective, less involved place, or taking a step back and saying, oh, look at that pattern. I do that all the time. Why do I keep doing that? Why do I keep assuming this thought? Why do I keep feeling this heartache or abandonment? Uh, why do I keep behaving in such a compulsive way? And altered states does that, whether you call it higher consciousness or expanded awareness. It's a 
well, there you go, an altered state. It's getting a, a, a more objective perspective. Does that work for you? Do you think it's more, more neutral? Yes, a, a broader, more neutral perspective. When you can sort of rise above it, or it's that you're going deep within and becoming more in touch with that unconscious part of yourself that's really kind of running all of these patterns. And once you can start to identify them, and these altered states certainly allow, have allowed for me to gain greater access to all of that. And uh, it's funny when you say, you know, get outside of yourself, it's really more getting way inside of yourself. But in the end, the semantics can just get in the way. And uh, it's really just about becoming more of who you truly are. Well, and what do you mean by self? Because <laughs> ego wants credit, yeah. right? The, the, the personality is going to insist over and over, I am the self. I am the only self. I am the separated self. I'm the boss. Well, we have an unconscious self, and then we have a, what appears to be this expanded awareness is overshadowing or you refer to higher self so we also call it um i find it useful to call it the neutral observer within and uh i know that michael singer who wrote that book the untethered soul his word for it is the annoying roommate uh it, that's not the observer that's the ego mind but when you can get beyond that annoying roommate that's the neutral observer and you bring up neutral, or I guess I said the word neutral, but that's very key because when you're, uh, you know, we judge ourselves and everything constantly, we're making a judgment call and you can't really see what it is that you're contributing to the situation. And when you can go within, get that broader perspective, practice it in meditation, really noticing what is that inner observer, the inner observer is the part of you that notices the thoughts. So one of the uh, basic meditation skills is to just, you know, have your thoughts exist, but pay no attention to them, just observe them. And when you can sort of focus on a phrase or say staring at a candle, whatever it might be, uh, you know, the, that voice kind of goes behind you. But then when you notice your mind wandering and those thoughts become apparent, then you you, instead of beat yourself up, you say, oh, there's my inner observer noticing these thoughts. And I know when I practiced this over and over again, I now have this ability to where that neutral inner observer, it can pop up at any time. And I'm especially grateful when it pops up during an argument or some kind of uh, heated discussion I might be having. And that neutral observer will kind of interrupt in the back of my mind and kind of remind me now, wait a minute, this other person might think this, and here's a better way of looking at it. And right in that moment, I can uh, shift the dynamic of what's going on thanks to that neutral inner observer. So it's not just a esoteric concept. Once you really gain practice with becoming familiar with that little voice, that neutral inner voice, not the damning inner voice, but that neutral inner voice that can really help to stabilize uh, your own emotions, when you find yourself reacting to something that's happening in the outer world, anytime you have that reaction, we like to say, oh, that person or that event caused me to feel this way. Well, those events don't always cause everyone to feel that way. It's something inside of you that's causing that reaction. So I learned that anytime I was reactive, to look within and say, why am I reacting to that? What is it inside of me that is causing this reaction? And th that's where that neutral inner observer with practice can really help you to, to hone in on what those things are. 
<laughs> Most wonderful. Uh, you're skating over or running right through the middle of so many different areas. I mean, I hear psychotherapy in there. I hear Buddhism in there. I hear Christian wisdom and Jewish, uh, ancient Jewish wisdom in there. And uh, it's, it's, all, it's universal wisdom as far as it I is. it's universal truths. And I love that so many spiritual traditions that you're rattling off have incorporated some of these things. But I like to pick from all the different I love that you call your uh, what you call your show, the Ancient Wisdom Mystery School, because I was always fascinated with uh, mystery schools. And to me, it's about the universal truths. What are what is in common amongst all of these different traditions? And those are the things that light my fire. Yeah, as, as someone raised in the West who only in my college years and thereafter discovered Eastern philosophy, rather than choosing one, it occurred to me to collect them all. Yes. Be, be comparative in my understanding of what they have in common and what sets them apart as well. I have so many more questions for you, Karen. Let's take a short break and we'll come right back. If you just joined us, this is Karen Newell. She's speaking with us today from her home in Virginia. And she is a co-founder of a group called Sacred Acoustics that manufactures and provides binaural beats as downloads and CDs. And we're talking about the nature of brain entrainment and how binaural beats can be used to create altered states of expanded awareness. If you stay with us, we'll have more right after this. You're listening to, by the way, I don't mean to pick nits, but it's the ageless wisdom, not the ancient wisdom. Thank you. Ageless wisdom. Same, same thing. Same thing. Okay. Yeah. But includes new age as well yes, as ancient. Mm -hmm. There's really nothing new about it. That's the odd thing about new age. It's uh, nothing new under the sun. We're just discovering and rediscovering these perpetual eternal truths. And we'll be back with more in the Ageless Wisdom Mystery School on KPFK right after this. And we're back with more of the Ageless Wisdom Mystery School on KPFK in Los Angeles streaming for the world at kpfk.org. And I should mention, we're also podcast to, I mean, literally all podcatchers and aggregators and directories. And we even post on YouTube now, just the audio, obviously. But uh, turns out a lot of folks use YouTube as a kind of a search engine. So we've been picking up a lot of new listeners by posting on YouTube and so you could just Google Ageless Wisdom Mystery School, add KPFK, or the name of a guest. You put in Karen Newell and Michael Benner. It's a wonderful miracle, this Google thing. Um, other search engines, just absolutely amazing. We have so much at our fingertips. Karen, I want to see if we can talk about your understanding of what is happening in the brain when it encounters these slightly offset tones? Let's say a standard 440 reference tone in one ear and 444 in the other ear. And the brain hears this four-cycle difference, this wah, 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 this beat is set up. Whether the subject hears that or not is of little consequence. The brain is it confounded by that? Is it trying to reconcile why it's hearing a slightly different tone? Well, I think what it's doing is that it's an easy way to look at it is that 
the body, the physical part of us is falling asleep. It's becoming so profoundly relaxed, but our mind is staying aware. So some people call it mind awake, body asleep. But what we think is going on, Eben Alexander, the neurosurgeon, uh, he's, he's my greatest uh, source of this scientific side of this, is that he believes that it's actually monotonizing the uh, lower brainstem, the reticular activating system, and really, in a sense, taking the neocortex offline. So the neocortex, that's the outer surface of the, of the brain. Only humans have, have that in their brains. Uh, the lower brainstem is part of um, very primitive reptiles and other animals, but the neocortex is what is what really gives us that thinking capacity. So what we think is that it's taking that thinking capacity offline so that we can really become more aware of that deeper aspect of ourself. And uh, there's many theories of this. Some out there will say that it's synchronizing the left and the right brain which through our own EEG research, we found that that's not actually what we see when we, uh, when we listen to binaural beats. What we see is that the brain moves from that beta state, that thinking, talking, walking around, that neocortex activity into a much more relaxed state where really the, the brain is pretty much asleep. One way that I know I'm in an altered state, this was one of my early signals. I might be lying there feeling relaxed, but my mind doesn't feel all that different. And I'm, and I'm wondering to myself, gosh, is it working? I'm still kind of laying here. I'm aware. And then I notice myself snoring. I'm not a huge snorer, but I do make gentle kind of little snoring sounds. And when you can hear yourself snoring, that's a very good clue that you're in an altered state of awareness. So some people will have very big splashy kind of experiences where they're having visuals and feeling like they're traveling with their awareness, and others will have much more subtle types of altered states. And that's a more subtle state where you don't really feel that different, but you notice yourself snoring. And so that it's, it's really just taking the thinking brain offline so that you can access that part of you that's not physical that non-physical part of you, whether you call it mental, spiritual, it's really a combination of both. Um, that's what's going on. It's really putting, getting the brain out of the way. Yeah, I think using binaural beats or light and sound machines or just practicing meditation, my experience of it anyway, uh, among the countless benefits that, that I've engendered as a result of meditating, is I have more lucid dreams. Mm-hmm. Yes. And, and it almost seems like the lucid dream is approaching the same phenomena from the other side, where I'm sleeping and I'm unconscious and then gradually become aware that I am asleep and this is a dream. And just the other night, I had, or the other morning, I had this wonderful dream that was so sweet and joyous. And I just wanted to embrace it and carry it into my waking state. And so I set my mind to the idea of carrying this awareness. And it was so warm and fuzzy and joyful and just just so yummy. And I, and, and I thought, oh, I'll just carry this into my waking state. But alas, alack, as I you know came into physical wakefulness, uh, the state was shattered, and I recalled the experience, but I couldn't hold the quality of that experience. And then I think, well, meditation, I could get 
approximately to that same place, but from the other direction. You could. In fact, I often will use that exact same analogy that these sound journeys, as we sometimes call them, are like lucid dreaming, but you're entering them from an awake state instead of an asleep state. And it can take a bit of practice to really get to, to feeling that way, but then you could use that reference point, set your intention, recall that feeling of what it felt like in that dream that you were trying to recall, and then bring that with you into a meditative state. And that, that's just another way of doing it that I, that I actually often recommend people do, exactly what you just said. And uh, people should, should realize too that when you're in these kinds of experiences, it's not like they're so easy to explain using words sometimes. And that's because we're turning off that language center and it's more of an experiential feeling type of state. And sometimes you might see visual images that maybe make sense, maybe don't make sense. It's all very symbolic. Sometimes people will have um, deceased relatives, deceased loved ones might pop up and and start sharing information. Some people really love when that happens. Um, others might just have a sudden knowing where you kind of just feel like you know everything at once. And sometimes these feelings are more are challenging to bring back into our waking state. And sometimes you don't really want to. You know, there's that kundalini awakening that can happen for some. And they can feel this amazing connection to the love and the oneness. But then when they need to get in their car and go to the grocery store, it becomes a little challenging. So you kind of have to dance between both worlds there. Um, sometimes those states aren't so easy to bring back here. But other times you can recapture them using your intention, especially when you have a reference point, like, like you're saying. That's a really good point. That's another approach to the idea of equanimity, to live both in the physical world and the non-material world at the same time. That, that's the challenge, I think. Cause... Well, one way I put it is um, the new polarity is uh, feeling your connection to that oneness that we all share, but still being aware of your individuality. So you kind of know that, that you know, we're part of something greater, but it doesn't completely all consume you into just, you know, the Borg where, you know, resistance is futile, where, where you must just do what everyone else says. That balance, exactly what you just said. The problem with binary thinking and the way stress exaggerates it is we think of this or that rather than this and that. Exactly. And so much of becoming more aware is replacing all of these divisive ors with relative and. It may not always be on the 50-yard line. It might be a 90-10 or a 60-40 blend of this or that. But to be comfortable with these paradoxes, uh, the one you just referred to, the idea of spirit and matter or, or divinity and physical existence, ancient mystics often refer to that as the one in the many. Mm-hmm. And it's not the one or the many. It's not, am I part of one thing or a unique individual? It's both. You, <laughs> you have DNA evidence that you're one of a kind, and yet, you know, you're made out of the same star stuff. And both things are true. So deal with it. <laughs> exactly. One analogy is the ocean is, is one, but there's drops that make up the entire ocean. Another one that we like is, 
that the one is a diamond and the individuals are all facets, individual facets of that one diamond. And every individual is critical. Without one of those facets, then it's not a diamond. So, yeah. One of the reasons I like the first example you gave of the ocean and the dewdrop is there's a middle element, the concept of the wave, which appears to be individuated. I'm not that wave. I'm not that wave over there. I'm, I'm this wave, but clearly I am the ocean. Well, and aren't we something like Eben would say we're ninety-seven percent water if you if you factor in the molecule uh, uh, makeup. So yeah, the, we are the water, and I also love the water analogy too because water is constantly changing, and yet it's still water. You know, when it's steam or ice, and it's such an elementary concept that all of us understand. We all understand these cycles of water, and yet we're a part of that water. So it's it's almost like uh, the fish that's in the water, that's what we are in sort of this sea of oneness consciousness. We're not necessarily aware of it because we are so much a part of it. And these analogies really just help us kind of get a hold of some kind of heady concepts that are not always thought of on a daily basis. Yeah, like 40 or 45 years ago, Marshall McLuhan used to use that example. He'd say uh, something like, I don't know who discovered water, but I'm pretty sure it was not a fish. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> I think there's an Ethiopian proverb also that goes, fish discover water last. Yeah. So the idea of us as apparently separated human beings slowly evolving to the point where we realize we're part of this ocean of consciousness, this unlimited, unbounded sea of awareness, and we're all immersed in this same ethereal medium of awareness that explains so much of parapsychology and i had a feeling you were going to call me on the phone today how odd that you, exactly. <laughs> that you would call me i was just thinking of you and or connecting with departed loved ones there's so many stories there's something like 30 percent in surveys of people who say yes i've encountered uh, a deceased loved one whether it's an apparition or a feeling or or whatnot and yet, probably more than half of those people would never talk about it because it's kind of frowned upon in uh, modern society to think that that could possibly be true. But it's, it's true. It's definitely true. Oh, it happens to me all the time. As I get older and more of my friends are passing away, my peers now, mm -hmm. uh, some too soon from illness or disease or, or some problem, but th they... They occur to me all the time. Oh, you know, that's wonderful. In dreams. Yeah, and you just got to be open to it. Thank goodness you're open to it and acknowledge it. I know in my family, I was talking about this, and not everyone in my family is necessarily on board with some of these concepts, but I was shocked to learn that my sister-in-law, who had lost her sister, uh, you sp talk about much too young, she, she just up and died one day from a, a heart. It was a heart, congenital heart thing she was born with, and she just fell over one day and died. And a year had passed and I saw my sister-in-law and it's kind of walking on eggshells around it a little bit. And then she said, oh no, I talk to Christy all the time. And I was like, oh my gosh, that's wonderful. And she said, oh yeah, my aunt, she comes and talks to me too. It's totally fine. And uh, it's always very refreshing, but that, that someone would just uh, accept that for 
still being in touch with a departed loved one. And that's part of that. It's that consciousness that doesn't die. When we die, our awareness continues. And I, I won't pretend to know exactly what happens or, or which tradition might be correct on what happens, but our awareness continues. That much I am certain. And the Tibetan dream yoga work speaks to this uh, very uh, definitively. In fact, the dream yoga work is it's a form of lucid dreaming, and it's designed to help you maintain awareness when you don't have your body anymore. So when that time of death comes, you realize, oh, I still have my awareness and I know what I can do with it because I've already practiced exercising my awareness. And that's kind of what these uh, binaural beats can help you do. It can help you just gain access to that awareness uh, that does not end when the physical body dies. That's mindfulness. That's noticing what you notice. That's being aware. First of all, being aware of awareness or being aware of what you're aware of and then being aware that you are awareness <laughs> Yes, would be the next stage beyond that. And yeah, it's a little trippy because we don't really have the language yet. Right. Not enough people have. At least in the Western world, yes. Yeah. We struggle with the language around this because there's so many different kinds of altered states of awareness. And yet, the you know, it's all just kind of lumped into, um, you know, oh, that's parapsychology, as you say. And uh, there's all different kinds. And I think there are some in the West who do study this. And uh, I think one day, hopefully soon, they will be more embraced by mainstream society as something that's actually very worthy of study. So this is who we are. We are awareness. I think we should also bring up, and I'll ask you for your comment on the similar experience that comes from shamanic drumming, for example, rhythmic drumming, dance, uh, the spinning of the Sufi, uh, whirling, yeah. The dervishes, that's the word I was looking for, yeah. Mm -hmm. Or um, you mentioned looking at a candle, staring into a fire. You know, you go camping, it's like, my God, the campfire is an imperative for creating that feeling. And what feeling? It's that everything's okay, kind of warm, fuzzy, that looking into the heart of a fire brings on. And I think it's a frequency phenomenon, entrainment phenomenon, that the fire or the candle or the drumming or the spinning dervish or... I mean, even as little kids, we loved to spin. We didn't know how, so we got dizzy and fell down. But even that was, <laughs> even that was fun. Yeah, I did practice some Sufi uh, whirling. It's fun. I've tried all kinds of things, and you bring up there are so many ways to achieve altered states of awareness. And I feel like we're all very unique. In fact, our brains are so unique. If you do an EEG on someone, it can be used as uh, the same way as fingerprints to identify a person, which I found very fascinating. That's how unique our brainwaves are. And so each of us are going to respond to binaural beats in a different way, trance dance, shamanic drumming. Shamanic drumming is just another, it's another way, they're isochronic tones where the same beat is playing in a steady basis. That is a very effective way for many people to get into these altered states. Um, the, the trance dance, many, many of these. But my advice is always to try these different uh, methodologies to see 
what sort of flavor or blend of these different techniques works best for you? You know, you mentioned the light technology. Um, there's so many different things to try, and some people will find that one works better than another. And so this is this is not one size fits all. We're all going to sort of find our own sort of unique pathway to opening into this expanded awareness. Well, if if people feel as if they don't really know what we're talking about, I think we could point out that a concert will do the same thing. It yep. could be, you know, Pink Floyd or the Rolling Stones. My God, the Rolling Stones are still on tour. They're in their 70s, and they're still out there rocking and rolling, and we're dancing and swaying. And Well, I've heard people tell me that they've had spiritual experiences at Sammy Hagar concerts. There's a book out for someone who talks about that. Someone else I met, I met follows this band called Fish, P-H-I-S-H, follows them around because that live music gives them this beautiful feeling of connection. So yeah, a lot of things can do this. Um, some people will find that orchestral music uh, is the most kind of divine or, or monks chanting, um, just many, many, many ways of accessing these types of realms. My first experience with my mind becoming quiet was backpacking alone. And the first three days were torture. <laughs> yes. My mind was yelling at me, arguing with me, all of this. The lack of stimulus was bringing up, was purging all of this noise in my head. And on the third day, it finally got to the point where the only thing that was left were Christmas songs. <laughs> wow. And here I am, 30 miles from a road, all alone in the mountains in July, singing Christmas songs to myself. I knew something was different. <laughs> and then, again, we talk about the campfire. At night, it gets quiet on for me on the third day and the fourth day and thereafter. And now you feel what the animals feel, and you're in tune with the animals, uh, whether they're birds or the porcupine you just saw scramble off the trail and into the bush or uh, the soaring of the hawk or just the wind in the tops of the trees. And that level of communion with nature, you can't have if, in most cases, if you're with other people, because there's all this chatter and talk and entertaining each other and appealing for attention and I mean, you could have an agreement with one other, but it's not really a good idea to hike alone. I mean, I, I knew it was a dangerous thing to do, but the benefits are extraordinary. If you could find maybe a walking partner who would have your back, but who would agree not to talk for long periods. Yeah, I mean, this is the benefit of silent retreats, right? And sometimes it does take a few days to really settle in with yourself, but nature is another beautiful way of connecting to uh, something greater. And the story I have is when uh, I used to go to Methodist church camp and I lived in Oregon and the church camp that I would go to was on the beach on the coast and just absolutely unspoiled. The West coast of Oregon uh, doesn't have condominiums and boardwalks and things like that. It's just unspoiled beauty. And so um, the ministers would tell us, you know, go out into the, woods and commune with God. And I just didn't understand what that meant. I thought God would show up on a cloud or, you know, something would happen and, um, you know, Ray come down on a light beam or something. 
And so I just thought, eh, there's no God here. I'm just, I, but I sure love these ferns and the, these trees. And so that's what I would focus on. And it was much later uh, that I realized all of my communing with nature really was a form of communion with that God force, whether whatever you want to think of as God, that, that connection that we all have is very much available out in nature. Whether you're with someone or not, you need someone, yeah, who will agree not to talk about football or all of those uh, daily things. Karen, it's so much fun chatting with you. Uh, it feels like I've known you for years, and yet uh, today's the first time that uh, we've had a chance to talk. I hope it's not the last. I would really love to have you on sure. the show Sure. There's so, so many things to discuss in this realm, for sure. How can our listeners get more information about... I know you have one free download that they can sample, and you suggest they do that. We do. You, you can uh, go to sacredacoustics.com and look for the free download button, and uh, we'll put in your email address, and we'll send you what we call our 20-minute alm recording. And you also might want to check out the Whole Mind Bundle. At the beginning of the COVID crisis, I actually reduced that price and there's an also an option that's free because so many people who were in and may still be in financial difficulties, we didn't want there to be any barrier. These same recordings, these whole mind bundle recordings were used in a pilot study in a New York City psychiatric practice and found that anxiety was reduced by 26% after two weeks of listening. And so that's pretty remarkable uh, compared to other methodologies that it could have that kind of effect. And so those are two different ways that you can try these recordings and absolutely trying it is the best way to find out for yourself. And if you feel a little uncomfortable when you're listening, as some of you might, just know you're getting somewhere and don't stop there. Others of you might just fall asleep and get the best sleep that you've had in months. And so either way, just put those headphones on and give it a try. And you can always reach out through our contact form on sacredacoustics.com if you have any questions. And I am the one who answers those questions. So yes, please feel free to reach out. Sacredacoustics.com. Yes. Karen, thank you so much. Again, uh, I really appreciate the work that you and your partners are doing. I, you know, without hesitation, just feel that of all the binaural beats uh, that I've been exposed to. I even have a program on my computer where I can make my huh, own. Yes, those are Apple. <laughs> and yeah, they just don't compare to They're not the same. And many people listen to them on YouTube. And I will tell you that you we don't put our recordings on YouTube because they compress the audio to a point where they're just not nearly as effective as the original file. So watch what you're listening to out there. Yeah, and you say the uh, MP3s that are downloadable, you use the highest bit rate, so they're almost the equivalent of a WAV file. We do. Some would, some would say in the past, many years ago, that the MP3 wasn't good enough quality. And when you save them at the highest quality, the 320K, and you don't allow them to be compressed further, they maintain pretty much the same effectiveness as a WAV file, we've found. Yeah, check your settings. If you're going to bring those into iTunes, check your settings because iTunes has a way of compressing. They do. They want you to get a million songs onto your device, but we need yeah. ours to be larger. And if you do use an iPhone or iPad, we do have an app. It's very challenging to download directly to Apple devices. And so we created an app and any purchases you make on our website, including the free download, 
um, are available within the app at no extra cost by logging in with a customer account. And that's where many, many, many Apple users much prefer that method because it's so easy. And those are MP3 files and just as effective for our listeners as the CD. Karen Newell, my guest at sacredacoustics.com. Check it out. Do the free download. Make up your own mind. Don't start buying them right away. Uh, that's Karen's suggestion as well. Just, you know, don't start just purchasing willy-nilly. Try the free download and see how it feels. See if it resonates for you. And there's also um, at least one-minute samples of every other recording, so you can get a little bit of an idea of what they sound like. And I would recommend we have an extra long sample of our newest recording called Water. And uh, that we include a longer sample so you can really get an idea of what it sounds like. So that's another one to try out. Thank you, Karen. Sacredacoustics.com, binaural beats, brain entrainment, find out more about it. And uh, we've got a few minutes left in the show, and we are in the fall fun drive for KPFK. So I have a few words about that, a couple of comments on the other side. So stay with us. You're listening to The Wisdom School on 90.7 KPFK in Los Angeles. And we're back with the Ageless Wisdom Mystery School on 90.7 KPFK in Los Angeles, broadcasting to all of Southern California and, indeed, live streaming to the world at kpfk.org. Thanks for joining us today. Wow, what a show that was. Where are you going to hear a program like that? On some other radio station? I don't think so. Uh, some television program or cable channel? Uh, not likely. Somewhere on the internet? I can't imagine where. Only at KPFK are you going to hear a program like the conversation we just had with Karen Newell about binaural beats and brain entrainment, an amazing technology for creating altered states to expand your awareness and develop your ability to understand your your insights, your intelligence. And if meditation is difficult... Here's an alternative, binaural beats. I've personally been experimenting with brain entrainment and binaural beats for close to 40 years now, and I've found remarkable benefits. But again, where else are you going to learn about this but at KPFK? There's just nowhere else to find this kind of information. And we provide it for you 24 hours a day, 365 days a year, but it takes money. And we need your membership. We need you to join. Not just money. You know, hosts will often, during these quarterly fund drives, ask you for donations, uh, a monthly donation or maybe a big lump sum and offer you premiums and such. And that's really what we need to pay the bills here, to keep this radio station on the air, to maintain the very equipment that allows us to broadcast off Mount Wilson 110,000 watts, a little bit more on a good day, and blanket Southern California with progressive information unlike anything available anywhere else. But beyond just giving money, I'd like you to think about being a member of KPFK, a member of the community, a member of this mission, a member of the radio station, a voting member somebody who's involved, who listens to more than one or two programs a week, who tells their friends about KPFK, who shares a KPFK podcast every so often, 
who sends email to the various hosts and makes suggestions about how we can do even better. Someone who's really involved, that's what we're looking for. And so I'm going to direct you to Sustainer's Circle. I think everyone listening to my show should be able to pledge at least 5 or $10 a month. I mean, 5 or 10 bucks a month, come on. If you're a student, if you're a senior, and you're on a fixed income, we understand if you're unemployed. When you go to kpfk.org slash donate and search for Sustainer's Circle, you'll see you can make a one-time donation, a monthly donation, quarterly or annually. Let's say $5 a month is too much. You can't even afford that. How about $7 four times a year? That would make you a voting member at KPFK. Now, I bet you can do more than that. I bet you could do $10 or $15 a month. That's a nice donation. Or $20 or $25 a month. It's very easy at that website, kpfk.org slash donate, to choose one time, monthly, quarterly, or annually, and then any amount you'd like. Hit the custom button and you choose the amount that you'd like to give us to support this radio station and keep us on the air, quite frankly. Once you join us now, you could call 818-985-5735-985-KPFK in the 818 area code. Or it's really better if you just go to the website, kpfk.org slash donate and look for Sustainer's Circle. Make your contribution there. And we sincerely appreciate every dollar that you can contribute to the Pacific Commission. I want to thank you for listening today. Hope you'll make it a point to join us every Tuesday afternoon at 1 o'clock for the Ageless Wisdom Mystery School. We also podcast this program to all podcatchers, aggregators, directories, and player apps. You can also go to the homepage at theagelesswisdom.com, the T-H-E's part of it, theagelesswisdom.com, and make it a point to join us next week. I appreciate it. Thanks a lot. As always, be gentle, love life, and take care of each other. From Los Angeles, this is Michael Benner. <laughs>